0: So, Shauna, it's a really exciting day today. Oh, what's happening? What's happening? So today we are out launching Outspoken 2021. Oh, awesome. Oh, I've been holding out for this. Yeah, Fantastic. so after, after a year off, um, we're coming back bigger and better, hopefully. Um, mm-hmm. And so you can check out the information on our website, OutspokenSummit.com. But the theme is back in the blocks, and we are looking at focusing on what would it look like to re-envision triathlon um, with equity Mm -hmm. at the center, right? Mm -hmm. So we've had this whole year off and people obviously have been racing, um, will have been racing by November, but um, we don't want to go back to quote unquote normal. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to have sessions and speakers that can help us really think about what would it mean to reimagine triathlon and not go back to the status quo.
1: Oh, that is so good. I'm loving the theme back in the blocks. I mean, it kind of gives me the, the outspoken feel, the track and field feel, the Olympics this year in Tokyo, it gives me yep. all those feels. So I'm, I'm loving that. I'm loving the theme. Well, yep. I will certainly be in place and I think everybody else should be too.
0: I'm Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold and I go by she, her, her pronouns. And I'm Dr. Lisa Ingefield, and I go by she, her, hers. Welcome to Unfazed, a podcast to disrupt your normal
1: and challenge your brain to go the distance. So, as usual Lisa, I found myself this past week in Tarje. My my favorite spot. Oh, <laughs> Tarja, especially if they have Starbucks ready to go, you know, I get my Uh Starbucks. I am like that stereotype, the stereotype of the commercial where you stop and get your Starbucks, stroll around, take your time, pick Mm -hmm. up a few things that are on your list and pick up a bunch of stuff that's not on your list. You know, it's just a whole experience, right? And before I can get my Starbucks and before I can get my cart, Ah, it's like it's like the heavens open up and a literal rainbow is dripping down into oh the store. right oh my. there's an entire seasonal corner of rainbow everything pride everything rainbow t-shirts uh, a rainbow jacket like a, a blazer almost that was an entire rainbow uh pajamas cups Uh, sand, anything that you could think of, except for Skittles, like we talked about before, anything else was rainbow, right? And so it was just, you couldn't walk in the store without seeing the pride corner, which I was very happy that Uh they were supporting LGBT plus Mm -hmm. communities. But I felt like it was overkill, almost like what we saw with that article that we read a few weeks ago about Mm -hmm. rainbow washing. And so I decided to do a little bit of homework. Um, and so it felt like rainbow washing on the surface, but I thought I would bring it to you. You're the other half of my brain and help me think this thing through. But I felt almost attacked by oh rainbows. Oh attacked, I tell you. Um, so, yeah, it was a really interesting experience. And I thought about it as I strolled through the store. Um, I thought mm-hmm. about it and thought about it some more. And so I, I'm just wondering if other stores are doing this, um, other businesses in general are doing this. You know, what's the outward facing? versus what's really going on inside the organization.
0: Yeah, that's interesting to me that it's in the quote unquote seasonal area, right? Um, you know, Pride Month is June, obviously, but it's, it's just interesting that it's framed that way um, and not integrated throughout the store. You know, so I'm thinking like once June is over, does all of Tajay's rainbow colored everything disappear, right? Or do they, is that when they integrate the clothing and the mugs and the sandals into the rest of the store? Um, I mean, I don't know that, but I will now pay attention to that. Um, And I'm I'm caught, right? I think we should define what rainbow washing is. Um, Mm, And then mm -hmm. the other piece is it's this tension between exposure and the more exposure something gets the more normalized it's become right but mm-hmm. then the other side of that I think is this um tokenism mm-hmm. right this mm-hmm. surface yep. level hollow well if I just slap a rainbow on it then that's great but it's completely yeah. disconnected from the everyday oppression and violence that the LGBTIQA community faces So Mm -hmm. I don't know, that's where I, that was my immediate thought to what you were saying. So maybe why don't you define rainbow washing for folks?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And rainbow washing is really this kind of trend. And it's a pretty disturbing trend of using rainbows as symbols uh, when practices within the organization or the community aren't LGBT friendly. So I kind of call it this Jekyll and Hyde approach where outwardly, yay, go pride, go pride. But inwardly. We're still oppressive. We still don't have policies, protocols, procedures that are supportive of those communities. Uh, Those communities may not see themselves either in the work that we do or the employees that we have. So it's out of alignment. It's wacky and out of alignment. And so when an organization is rainbow washing, they, for example, they're demonstrating or what we would usually say, Lisa, they are performative when it comes to performing solidarity with pride and those that celebrate it. However, their policies and their actions do not benefit those very same communities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what's problematic with it is that whole Jekyll and Hyde thing where the outward facing doesn't match the inward facing. And that's where it becomes the issue that if you are astute in DEI work, you start to drill down and ask some really tough questions.
0: Right. Yeah, I first came across the term rainbow washing in a class I taught several years ago, a student did um, their presentation on it. And um, I think it might have been in June, because it might have been around now. And they were, um, you know, had pictures of all of these organizations, Google, Microsoft, probably Target, other places that were, you know, participating in pride events, walking with, um, you know, their signs, you know, Google has already got like a multicolored um, logo, but, you know, rainbows all over their signs. And, that What the student was trying to articulate is the um, struggle that they had with that, right? Because these organizations, to your point, weren't necessarily doing anything internal to make um, the environment and the culture more... Um, supportive of the LGBT community and they weren't also doing anything kind of outside of their organizational landscape in terms of those larger policies and practices that are happening, you know, in the world that create fear and the threat Mm -hmm. of violence for LGBT folks. So um, Mm -hmm. it's definitely something I think about every... June. And you and I have touched a little bit on this with the whole month thing, right? Like right. Black exactly. Celebratory month, months, Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, there's a month and it's 30 days. So that's when we focus on it. And then we and then we go back to whiteness and maleness greatness right. for that's the rest right. of the year. Right. So there's a little bit of that happening, but it sounds like maybe you dug a little deeper into the Tajay situation.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we're researchers, we're nosy. <laughs> we want to go see what's really going on. Well, and plus too, it, it makes sense because we had already talked about corporate social responsibility on this podcast, right? And so given that it's like, okay, how do we make sure this is in alignment? And so I was a little nosy. And I looked around on Target's website to see what they had regarding anything uh, pertaining to diversity generally, but then also digging down into uh, LGBT specific things that they were doing initiatives and so forth. And so little hint, little researcher hint here, if you want to know what, the, what an organization is doing, inward facing, go all the way down to the bottom of their website. And there are probably some very small uh, links down at the bottom, whether it's uh, corporate social responsibility itself or um, about us or uh, work in the community, there will be some link that leads to more information about what they really do. And so that's what I did. I went all the way down to the bottom. And what I found was really interesting is Target is putting their money where their mouth is. They are aligning In fact, when I looked at their website, their uh, diversity and inclusion website had lots of different areas to go, you know, kind of poke around there. So under corporate social responsibility, they had several different areas, civic activity, philanthropy, generally, planet. I know our former guest, Heather uh, McTier tony would love that, planet in particular, Um, responsible sourcing, specifically diversity and inclusion. And there I found it. I found What they were doing, they had a laundry list of things that they were doing generally, but also specifics to the LGBT communities.
0: So, okay. So you felt after your little um, rabbit hole research uh, adventure that the um, presence of all the rainbows in the seasonal section of Target was, do you feel like that was perhaps um, representative of that store's management versus the organization as a whole? That's a great question. I have not been
1: on my tour, because I do live within like a less than a 10 mile radius of probably four targets. <laughs> so I could do more research and look around and see if this was specific to the one closest to me or if it's uh, across the board. Um, but it, it's very interesting, right? Because part of me questioned, okay, is this truly seasonal where they're just bringing this stuff out right. for June? Right or was all of this stuff scattered about in the store anyway? But they just put it prominently in one place for the month uh-huh. of June. I, I yeah. don't know. I'm I'm not a I'm not a, a retail person. I'm not a brander. I worked at Walmart many years ago, but that's about it, y'all. That's the extent of my knowledge. But it really made me think about positioning. And was this um, was this happening across the store before Pride Month, and now we're pulling it all together? Um, but I, I think that was. I, I wouldn't say it was opportunist. I think I would say it was opportunist if I didn't find all this other stuff. Okay. Um, if I didn't find anything speaking to these topics, mm-hmm. then I would be a little bit concerned. Um, but, you know, they, they have lots of um, feathers in their cap, if you will, in regards to diversity. I mean, they talk about how they've been a top 50 company for diversity. Um, and so, you know, with that, they've been top 50 for what, 12 years now? Um, So this is not something where they just did something last year and, you know, whipped it together and now they're good. They have 10 years of supporting Glisten. They have an assortment of merchandise when it comes to pride stuff. Obviously, that was clear in the particular store I walked into. But, you know, they also made a $100,000 donation this year. They have executives that serve on uh, the board of directors for Glisten. And so I I see them. uh, We always say folks can do more, which I still completely agree. Every organization can do more. But it's not as if I had to dig too far to find what they were doing. And so, you know, this really helps me to kind of think through this. I haven't found anything related to their policies and procedures as far as LGBT staff members across their organization, but they are doing some Mm -hmm. programming work that extends beyond just merchandising. So I, I thought that should at least be acknowledged.
0: Yeah, actually, and I just did a quick search on the Human Rights Commission, that is one of the leading um, advocacy groups nationally for the LGBT community. And they produce a list every year of businesses that are um, supportive at varying levels um, of the LGBT community. And that can look a number of different ways. So I just pulled up Target, and they are a national corporate partner with the HRC, platinum level. So I'm presuming that's quite high. And then they have a check mark next to workforce protections inclusive benefits and supporting an inclusive culture and corporate social responsibility. So they have a 100 point score and I believe that is 100 out of 100. Um, So it seems like scrolling down here that they actually are doing pretty well and it's Mm. not just um, words or rainbow jacket.
1: (laughs) Right, 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 exactly. But you know this
0: is Lisa, what this
1: reminds me of is when I'm in my classroom with my master's and doc students and I'm taking them through this process of either an environmental scan where they're learning how to scan an environment to see if an organization is truly authentic to what they say is important to them. Um, And also, I think this is a great kind of case study. This is how you dig deeper to find out if the words are really Um, well-placed and everything aligns because really what we're looking for, Lisa, we're always looking for this. We're looking for alignment when it comes to the organization. So you can't say, you know, like we've said with other organizations that, oh, well, we're supportive of mothers who work outside of the home, but then your policies are crappy when it comes to your organization or your business, et cetera. And so we're looking for alignment. Are you doing what you say is important within your organization and without? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think Target is on its way, but it gives us a great example for, you know, what should we be looking for in endurance sports yeah. and what, does, what should we be looking for and at what level would we place it? You know, there, there are some mm-hmm. organizations where they're just that flat out basic compliance. You know, we're going to do what's necessary or required by a governing board or a governing organization, but that's kind of the ceiling to what we're going to do, whereas other organizations, see that as the floor of what they're going to do and they kind of use it to launch off into other areas. So, you know, I'm just wondering how we can help people to think more clearly about the alignment of what they say is important and how they're demonstrating that and not just performatively, actively making Mm -hmm. the connections.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, the social medias, right. Have been flooded with organizations, um, posting images that have, you know, like a faded rainbow over the top or some other um, rainbow oriented something. And Mm -hmm. I've seen that a lot in endurance sport. Um, I've seen that a lot of athletes, you know, high profile athletes um, do the same. And so then, you know, it does beg the question, where does your commitment go beyond the month of June, right? Beyond beyond a flashy couple of posts on Instagram, um, Mm -hmm. what are you actually doing? To uh, shift the culture in your organization, so coaches, race directors, industry folks—you know, folks who make power meters and bikes and wheels and all mm-hmm. of those pieces, wetsuits—you yeah. know, what is it that they're actually doing beyond um, the rainbow image? And you know, we've talked about this when it comes to Black Lives Matter and um, racial discrimination and racial injustice. And I right. think you know, it translates right. It's the same. It's the same issue. Um, But here we have this rainbow washing, which is a concept that has gained um, steam over the last decade or so, I think.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I think, you know, one of the things that really connects with me, and I can't remember if I've discussed it with you or not before, um, but there's a really great scholar that I've been following more recently um, who studied the city of Baltimore, which is close to me. Um, His name is Dr. Lawrence Brown, and he wrote this book called The Black Butterfly where he is um, researching what uh, redlining can do generationally to black people, to brown people, to all different groups and what that means for them. And one of the first things that he started his public lecture with was that if you wanna really know the impact of a DEI program or DEI efforts, look in four different places, look at their policies, look at their practices, look at their systems, and look at their budgets. Oh right? yeah. So yeah. yeah. So all four of those. Um, and so Lisa, I don't know if you want to break down kind of how you would see the differences between those four words, but for me, you know, policy is kind of you know what's written and also what's not written. Uh, the practices probably may dovetail off the policies, but that's lots of right. stuff that is unwritten <laughs> that people do anyway because whether it's habit or whether we've always done it that way. Um, so that's where I get into practices. Systems are literally the infrastructure of an entire organization Mm -hmm. that we don't really even think about. And of course, budgets, you know, where are we allocating money? How much do we have? How much do we say we don't have? And how rigid is it for us to move that money around to the benefit of those that are most oppressed and disenfranchised in our organizations? Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I see it. You can help me to be a little more nuanced on those fours, but I think we can really look there to see if people are really if they're rainbow washing or if they're actually connecting with the organizations or the groups that they say they claim they support.
0: Yeah. And um, I mean, I think you covered it really well. The budget piece is always a big one, right? And we talked a little bit about that with diversity committees and that if you're establishing a diversity committee, you're not paying the people on the committee, whether they're employees or people from the community, you're not providing some kind of compensation, then that really speaks volumes about where you're, um, priorities are and what value you're Mm -hmm. placing on that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think about nonprofits that I've been involved in, and where they're putting their money in terms of, you know, accountants and bookkeepers and Mm -hmm. marketing companies, right, and looking for those organizations, even in that very small context, um, who are inclusive in their practices or perhaps they're women-owned or perhaps they're owned by a person of color or a disabled person Mm. right and so where they're going to put the money i think Mm -hmm. that's an important piece so i always come back to the power of the purse and i think that's an individual thing as much as it is a organizational thing too um and the Mm -hmm. practices piece is so interesting right because it does connect with policies because you can have a bunch of stated policies that have anti-discrimination statements in them, right? But then if someone experiences discrimination and you see this a lot with sexual harassment, um, Mm -hmm. you come forward and you say that this is happening and then the um, system essentially covers up um, the infraction, the problem, right? Because the the practice is to not hold someone accountable despite what the policy says. And so there's this enormous gap between Mm. policy and practice. And I think we see that over Mm -hmm. and over again, when it comes to diversity and inclusion, and the rainbow washing piece exposes that, right? I think that really, really exposes that policy to practice gap.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and you know, that's where, you know, again, digging a little deeper, for those of us who Want to see where those gaps are? That requires us to not just walk around in the store, <laughs> or not just go yeah. to that bike shop, but look at that, look at their policies and see what they're actually doing. How are they functioning from day to day? How are people experiencing their functioning? So, for example, if that little bike shop uh, down the way says on their, you know, signage in their store, even on their website that They are gender inclusive in many ways and they want women to feel welcome in their store, everyone to feel welcome in their store. That's great. But talk to the last five women that have been in that little bike store and see how they experience it. And then you'll really, or talk to the last five women who worked at that bike shop and see how they experience it. Oh, well, we'll really get down to it if we find out that they've never had any women to work in the store. Mm -hmm. There's just so many ways to get down to what's, what we're seeing on the surface and what truly is the undercurrent of what's really happening. But we won't find out unless we ask some of those questions, whether it's, you know, data driven or observation. But these are things where we find out, you know, what's really happening versus what they're just giving lip service. Mm -hmm. And I'm not interested in lip service. And I I feel like rainbow washing is a form of lip service.
0: Yeah, I would agree and I think the bike shop example is a really good one, right? Cuz whenever I go into a local bike shop and I try to do local bike shops, I'm always looking to see who's working there. You know, and if it's exclusively white men, that doesn't mean to say I won't use their services, but it doesn't endear me to them, right? right <laughs> if right, I see right. a couple of women right. there, Um, you know, and that they have the same amount of women's clothing as they do men's, um, the same amount of, um, bikes, you know, there are a lot of bikes frames that are made for women specifically. I don't know that there's a lot of stock in that. I think that the industry has gone backwards and forwards on it, but, you know, are they, are they stocking things that would um, send a message that their products are for more than just men. You know, they're the things that I am looking at. So it's pretty, yeah, it is. It's a observational, I think in that case, not enough for them to just say that they are inclusive of women. It's like, what are you actually doing?
1: Right, right. Yeah. Like if you walk into your, your local bike shop and you, you don't see any women working there or if the only thing really inclusive that you see as far as merchandising are really cute cycling jerseys, but you don't find any frames that are set for women or seats or, or saddles that are set for women. Or that's when I'm like, hmm, how interesting, you know, like, are, are, are we congruent here or not? Because I don't feel like we're congruent if that's all I see. right? Um, and so, or even when I ask them very uh, specific questions, Like, you know, what's, uh, what's the favorite saddle of most of your women, uh, clients that come in and you don't have an idea of that. Well, most women really enjoy what have you, or this one seems to be most comfortable. If you have no clue of that, or if you look at me kind of weird, or if you say, oh, well, you could probably use this one because this one would be for a smaller man's frame.
0: Right. Right.
1: F and I'm walking out Bye, I'm out. That's it. Going to the next shop down the road. Um, so, you know, there's lots of different ways to see if any organization is congruent. Um, and if they're not, it's going to be really clear. But you, you have to be observant and ask really good questions that might make them uncomfortable. And that's yeah. okay. But you get to determine how you, the power of the purse, you get to determine where you want to spend mm-hmm. your money and how, uh, how that's going to be impactful for others.
0: Yeah, you know, and the other thing you're making me think of with rainbow washing and, you know, similar washing um, with other um, identity groups is um, the motivation behind it, right? Like, is it, are you motivated as an organization um, by the need to establish equity, both inside and outside of your organization and an acknowledgement of the erasure of um, a number of groups from in this context, endurance sport, or are you doing this because it makes you look good and you might make a little bit more money, right? So um, is it more about capitalism or is it more about social justice? I think that's also something really important to tease out. And that's been the one, big, one of the biggest critiques around rainbow washing is that companies March in Pride. They, you know, distribute rainbow-colored anything, again, except for Skittles, apparently. Um, And, but it's, um, it's seen as a capitalistic venture, right? I can, we can make more money in June if we do this. Um, That economic piece, I think, is also really interesting to think about.
1: Well, and, and here's the thing. (laughs) So I just had a really good and difficult discussion with uh, one of my organizations that I'm working with, and one of their staff members who really questioned the authenticity of the work, right? And so she asked the question, well, we're partnering with this group, and I'm not quite sure whether our leadership is authentic about the partnership, but we're, you know, we're neck deep in it now, so what should I do? And part of me has to deal with the, the idealism of Yes, of course, as a staunch DEI champion spending the majority of my life around these topics, of course, ideally, I want people to come from an authentic place, but like this person was saying, what if that group or organization comes from an inauthentic place, but they're still getting really good work done? How do we hold that at the same time? And I did not have a good answer for her. I was... it's been at least a month since we had this conversation. And I'm still thinking about it. Mm. What happens when it's still inauthentic, yet it's not harming someone, it's still helping others. So I almost feel like ideologically, it's almost like a Robin Hood type situation where you're robbing from or taking from folks who may not be completely invested in DEI to help those that are directly affected by lack of inclusion. So do we... How much should we care about authenticity in the work? Like if if we if I pulled up Target, if I pulled up Target's website or any organization's website after having walked in their store or what have you, and let's say, yeah, I did find all of this stuff, but let's say there's still a bunch of folks that are homophobic, transphobic, all the phobics that are running Target, but they see how the bottom line can be affected for them, but also can help the community. Do I now want them to stop doing this good work because they're inauthentic about it? Or should I say, Mm. "Mm, my ideal isn't gonna happen here, but I still wanna see good people do uh, or experience the outcomes of great work. And so that authenticity thing has been blowing my mind for the last few weeks and I I don't have a good answer. Um, Mm. So yeah, she she walked away uh, not really satisfied (laughs) by the conversation we had. Um, but that tells you how difficult it is to parse out how yeah. much should we care? Yeah. You know, how much should we care about the authenticity of it?
0: Yeah. I kind of feel like it's one of those questions that falls into the quote unquote, it depends category, right? Which is also <laughs> unsatisfying as an answer, having been on the end yes. of it, but also given that, um, I think you just kind of dialed up the complexity and the depth of this conversation, right? Because, um, that's really hard, uh, Because there's also the piece that you can be pulled kicking and screaming into something and be told, well, you know, let's do all of the let's do some LGBT oriented stuff this month, let's post some pictures, let's post some rainbows and you could be like, "Eh, I really want to do that as a company, but I'm going to do that because it might make me money and then over the course of Mm -hmm. doing that there is um, an opportunity for learning that you had perhaps previously been closed off to as a CEO or as a leader in your community, right? So there's also the other piece of entering this inauthentically and the process itself changes you.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Absolutely. And making Mm -hmm. room for that because I think, you know, that's where, and maybe I'm a softy when it comes to this, and maybe I'm not as hard-nosed as I need to be, Um, but I'm aware that yes, we want things to happen quickly and we want, you know, broad sweeping change and money spent in these ways and those ways. Yes. I want all that to happen. And I also feel that sometimes we don't give enough room for the evolution of people to Mm -hmm. get it over time. Like I say it all the time, you know, I'm not expecting people to get black lives matter when I've spent 43 years being black. I'm I'm not expecting, you know, someone to read one book and all of a sudden you understand my experience or, you know, I, last weekend I watched, uh, if you haven't watched the series and you have access to Hulu, take a look at the series of pride. It was incredible. And it was very intersectional. It wasn't just talking about white LGBT movements. It was talking about really everyone. And what I found so fascinating about that was even as I sat there, I, I wrote an entire book on LGBT issues. Um, I have been researching LGBT issues for years, and I sat there with a notebook taking notes of all the names I hadn't heard of, all the movements I hadn't heard of, all the places I hadn't heard of. And so hopefully the LGBT community will give me lots of grace as I continue to learn for the rest of my life about their communities. Do we give people enough grace to even enter that experience and evolve, even though they were dragged kicking and screaming, I I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm asking too existential of a question here, but I think there's something to be said about giving people room for the human development of not caring and then eventually caring (laughs) or to care to some extent.
0: Yeah, Um, and I wonder, is it easier to give someone grace about their learning in an area that is not, doesn't directly affect you, right? So is it easier for me to give a company grace around racial justice injustice because I don't live as a person of color, right? I don't have an answer for that. I just thought of that. Well, let let me,
1: if you'll allow me to reframe your question a little bit. Okay. Do we give enough grace for individuals or organizations to understand the plight of this particular identity group when my actual life isn't on the line mm-hmm. based mm-hmm. on your learning. So for example, I can firmly say, if you don't learn about the plight of black people, I can literally die. My children can literally right. die, et cetera. Right. You can say as a woman, if you don't learn about these particular things about being a woman, then I can, particu- I can specifically die or a uh-huh. woman like me can specifically die. And so I think when we start connecting this growth with livelihood, then all of a sudden it gets urgent versus I'm just going to watch the LGBT movie and I'll learn something and oh, I feel good about myself after I watched it. That's not what we're going after here. (laughs) We're going after life-changing stuff, life-saving stuff, and that's quite different. And so I I think you're posing a really good question about, is it easier to give grace when it's not affecting me?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, your reframe is an important one, right? Which brings us back to the beginning of this conversation with rainbow washing and organizations that pull out all the rainbow stops during June, but do nothing to shift kind of this systemic um, discrimination and violence that continues to be enacted upon members of the LGBTIQA community. And so, I mean, I would think organizations might argue that that's not their job to do that, but I think I would push back to say, well, I think that it is because you are a member of the community. You're a member of this culture. And so, um, you are by virtue of that vested or invested in living in a kind of, you know, equitable, nonviolent society. Right. And so, um, I think that, yeah, this is, this is much, much deeper and more complex than I thought that this conversation would go. <laughs> well, that, you know, sometimes
1: we go there, right? <laughs> yeah. This this, this was a, a build the plane as we uh, fly again podcast like we usually do. Let's be clear. If y'all don't know by now that this is not scripted, I'm not sure what more we can do for right, them, Lisa. Right, right. We, We're all over the place. Um, But I, I do think it's so crucial for us to, I, I think it's okay for us to leave with more questions than the answers. Yeah, yeah. These topics because it really makes us to slow down and think. So, you know, and, and I'm not saying don't go buy your rainbow stuff or any of that. I'm not saying that at all. Do what you like. What I am saying though is be thoughtful about buying your rainbow stuff. <laughs> right. So, right. you know, if you can, if you're going to buy your rainbow bike jersey at the bike shop that has never employed an LGBT person, has never given a dime. To LGBT causes, think about that versus going down the road to buy another jersey where 50% of what you just purchased is going towards, I don't know, Glisten or Pride Camp for youth or whatever it may be. Be more, th- I, I guess I'm yeah. begging people to be more thoughtful and intentional yeah. about how they move in the world as consumers, as athletes, as. All of us are kind of striving to be DEI champions. I I think, um, I wish more people would go down to the bottom of the website and click the button. Maybe, I I just don't want to be the only one. No,
0: I don't (laughs) think you are. Go down
1: there and do your research. Go down and do your research. on.
0: Although it is kind of bizarre to me. Like it begs the question, like, why do you hide that stuff? Why is it in tiny, like five point font at the bottom of your website? Right. right. Like if you're Mm -hmm. actually doing this meaningful transformational stuff inside and outside the organization, then why aren't you shouting that from the hilltop? Because that's also going to benefit you monetarily. Right. Even like, even with authenticity, engaging in that work, you are, you are going to attract people to your organization because that they're going to do what you just said. And they're going to choose to put their money in a company that is explicitly supportive um right. Of right. anti-oppression organizations and efforts.
1: Exactly. You know, if, if, if I knew from, it's kind of like the reverse of what we were talking about with the, the, the Skittles with no rainbows on it. Even though after I did the research and found out mm-hmm. that Skittles was donating to LGBT causes, nonprofits, et cetera, I still initially left those Skittles in the store. And so what if I were a person yeah. that didn't do my research? I left those in the store. Versus now that I've read all the cor- corporate social responsibility about the other stuff, now I feel like I want to go, go back and buy some stuff because I know where the money's now going. And so, yes, I think it's almost like a two for one. You get the sale, but look at the people and the type of people that you're going to attract as your patrons because of this work. You're actually inviting mm-hmm. people who share your values, which is an even bigger vote than just looking at a rainbow. Um, I, I think yeah. that's really important.
0: Yeah, and this, the, the, we can't. We don't have time to talk about this, but it's just popped into my head related to Target is like, great, well, they're doing all this wonderful work here um, with the LGBTIQA community, but all of their products are made in China by children who are underpaid, overworked, perhaps also made in other areas of the country where there is vast human rights violations. But I'm like, we can't go there. We can't go there. It's not endurance sport related. This is, or maybe oh. it is. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Right. Right. Exactly. We we have too many issues to to manage, but this one issue was a good one. (laughs) Yeah, Um, It was timely and appropriate. It's one that I think about year round. We just happen to be um, celebrating our communities and pride. Um, So for all of our listeners, Lisa, who celebrate pride, we celebrate along with you. Um, We are going deeper. We're not just buying the rainbow jersey, but Mm -hmm. we're finding out where that money is going, and if it's supporting people like you, so just know that. Um, and you know, we're not a, a one-month celebratory event here; we're three sixty-five.
0: Absolutely. The Unfazed Podcast and all things Feisty Triathlon are grateful to be supported by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker cuts through the noise of diet and wellness trends by analyzing your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to provide you a personalized, science-backed. Trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is a simpler, cheaper, and more convenient option than traditional blood tests, and their test includes biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from the traditional option. What we love about them? They don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. Inside Tracker is offering 25% off their entire store to the feisty Triathlon community. To claim your offer, go to insidetracker.com slash Triathlon Hey everyone, this is Dr. Lisa Rinkerfield, co-founder of the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. We are really excited to announce that the Outspoken Summit will be returning in 2021. This year has created an opportunity for triathletes to get back in the blocks and start to rebuild triathlon to create a more inclusive and welcoming space for all. Join us from the 12th to the 14th of November as we host a virtual summit to connect with like-minded women, center women's equity in the sport, hear from industry leaders and develop leadership skills related to our roles in triathlon. The summit will provide a rich forum to develop strong voices, inspire others and advocate for change in the sport we love. For more information and to sign up for the event, go to OutspokenSummit.com. We hope to see you there. Unphased, a podcast produced by live feisty media and supported by the outspoken women in triathlon summit edited and produced by the fabulous Lindsay glassford email us at info at and find us on social at try to defy at dr gold speaks or at outspoken women in tri i'm lisa i'm shauna thanks for
1: listening stay unfazed folks see you next time